Hey guys and welcome to another week, Podcast 6 of the JRE Review. Thanks so much for downloading and your support. Really appreciate it. This is a website for the fans, for people that love the Joe Rogan experience and want a little more. So I just talk shit, alright? It's low budget. I do it from basic equipment. There's no intro music. Get over that. It's just a bit of fun. And I throw some things out. The idea of this is I'm going to have guests on. I'll interview them, talk to them. They're going to be fans of Rogan. They're going to talk about what they enjoyed and questions that they had. I always have extra questions about this show, uh, about Joe's show and the guests that he has on. And I always want to delve a bit deeper. And it's cool to talk to people about this stuff. I love doing it in my regular day. So now I do it as a podcast. I just made it a thing. Why the fuck not, right? If you got questions, comments, hit me up. And... Uh, you know, and who knows, we'll get you on as a guest. It'll be a good time. So this week, week 26, this year is flying by. What a fucking great week for Rogan. He had Ari Shafir, like one of his best friends on for um, 11.35. Hamilton Morris, the psychedelic adventure, that guy's a nut and also super smart and really cool. Uh, Duncan Trussell, another one of Joe's really good friends and always such a sweetheart of a guy. What a dude. And an hilarious comedian. And then end the week with Ted Nugent, right? Ted fucking Nugent. What a hoot. So you've heard the podcast, and let's talk about him a little bit. So Ari, as always, just one of the best. Even his podcast. If you haven't checked out Ari Shafir's podcast, do it. It's really good. He puts together a great one. And uh, starting off out of the gate just cracked me up. So he went to some festival where he did acid and he had one of those like realization moments these moments of infinite truth and what came forward was a message that he had to tell joe saying uh eminem is the most realist mc that is the message that he brought forward and yes he knows that now he's sober that's a stupid message to tell joe and joe was like yeah whatever that guy's pretty good but uh again it just goes it goes to show what this guy's like. Ari is about as free a human being as you can imagine, from what I understand. The dude can just go anywhere, do anything at any time. Not to say he doesn't have responsibilities. He has a show and he does his comedy, but he really is free to go. And that, I don't know about you guys, but if that doesn't fucking inspire you, I don't know what's wrong with you. To know that that's possible and it can be done, I mean, how fucking awesome is that? It just absolutely is great. Some of the stuff they're talking about this week, and you you guys probably saw it too, is that woman who calls the cops on that little girl. And I'd be really interested to see what people think about this or what their take was. It was all, it was going all around Instagram. It was online. It was just this woman probably in her, I don't know, she looked like 40s. She was just kind of like overweight, looked sad, looked grumpy, looked like a bitch. Um, and she's calling the cops on this, I think, eight-year-old girl for selling water outside her apartment. I mean, what kind of person? You know, not to jump all over this bird, but really, like, what are you doing? This, this little girl is eight, and she's saying that she didn't have a permit and couldn't, you know, wasn't allowed to do it. I'm like, come on now. Who gives a fuck about that? You know, I, I, it's pretty clear that online people just had no time for it and quite rightly so. But of course, they're bringing that up 
Um, Eri was also going on, so they brought up Chael Sonnen. So Chael Sonnen is, uh, used to be a UFC fighter, great fighter. And he was giving Joe a hard time for basically uh, whistleblowing in a sense when it came. So, so what UFC fighters will do sometimes to hype a fight is they talk a lot of shit. And they, that's part of the process. Well, Joe describes this because this is what Joe Rogan does. He describes things that he sees. And and Chael Son in this UFC fight was getting mad at him and saying, hey, he's giving it all away. He's giving away our secrets and how to do it, which is kind of nonsense. But that's just Chael talking anyway. So Ari Shafir, he doesn't know Chael. But Ari is like one of the greatest trolls of all time. If he thinks he can fucking wind you up, he will do it. And he just came out of the gate picking on Chael. And it was fucking hilarious. Just saying that he's stupid. He doesn't know anything, which is absolutely not true. Chael Sonnen is a very smart dude. Um, but just the way Aerie was kind of on him was was absolutely hilarious. And uh, I can't wait to see that where that goes. Guaranteed, Chael's going to do something. They're going to wind this shit up. And, and Aerie will take it wherever he needs to. So look out for something fun there. Uh, they were talking about some of the things with the Harvard discrimination against Asians. So uh, basically at the moment, Harvard University is doing – a lot of Asian people are getting in there, right? So they're making it so that the the requirements for people from Asia are much – whether it's Asia or China, I, I don't know really all that well. But whether this is – uh, they're just making it really difficult. They're making it so hard for these people to get into this university, which is a kind of crazy discrimination. You think that Harvard is a very liberal place, so they were just bringing this up. Now, bear in mind, I'm not doing research on this, right? I'm talking about what they talked about. But it sounds fascinating. I'm sure somebody has looked into it and do it yourself. But, you know, you could believe in this day and age that something like that would happen. Would they be worried? But what's the thought behind it? Who gives a shit if a bunch of smart Asians go to Harvard? Shouldn't they? Like, they're the small ones. That's who gets to go. Who knows? Maybe they're worried that Americans are losing that losing that spot. It's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of uh, affirmative action in that sense. Wild, wild stuff. But a great guest, a fucking hilarious podcast, and I love Ari. And if you haven't checked out his um stand up you got to he has a new netflix special it's like a double uh it does two episodes in there and it's fucking great i love it it's very clever very clever uh podcast eleven thirty five. hamilton morris now hamilton's a documentarian he is um on the channel vicelands where he has a show called hamilton's pharmacopoeia right it's basically like a study of drugs or at least like hallucinogenic drugs he was on the Rogan podcast before. I, th- I believe it was really early on. I believe it was like podcast 114. Uh, it's so long ago, I honestly don't even remember listening to it. And I know I've listened to them all. But anyway, I went back and I listened to some of it. And Joe talks about how they stayed sober on this episode because seven years ago, they got blitz. They got just as high as you can imagine. And it's quite funny because when I went back and watched that podcast, 100% true. You can tell. I mean, it's the earlier days of podcasting for Joe, but he's always been pretty good with this stuff. You know, I mean, really very articulate and 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 uh, kind of produced the show as well with these long format talks. But yeah, he's noticeably 
quieter and a little bit more confused and he openly admits it on this one so this time around wasn't as high uh, a little bit more focused and the conversation just really went into it and uh, it is so fascinating because what's cool about hearing the way Hamilton talks about these things and obviously Joe has uh, a great love and, and knows there's a place for for these uh, this sort of um, study is that it hasn't been studied all that well it hasn't been that quantified it's usually stories the hippies tell but then you get somebody that looks at it from a kind of scientific mind that's very logical like Hamilton and he's very intelligent and he starts to break it down for what it is and I think I really do think that that you can be interested in a drug support what it does and want to understand it and learn about it yet not do it and that's reasonable and you should be allowed to. And the more information we gather, the better that opportunity is. I mean, why does somebody have to do mushrooms to kind of get a kind of understanding of what it is, where it comes from, how it works, what it's doing in your system, what kind of positive changes it could have, or negative, etc. That's why I love these guys. And he, he really puts it forward. I watched a little bit of his show, uh, the second season. I watched a couple of episodes. It's really well produced, and definitely check it out. I found it on Hulu. Uh, it's, it, I think it's on Amazon too, but you have to pay for each episode. I don't really know how that goes. but Some of the stuff they got into was Kratom. Now, I don't know if you guys are hearing a lot about Kratom these days. Kratom is some natural drug that works kind of like an opioid from what Hamilton was saying, yet it doesn't quite have the addictive personality, the addictive personality, the addictive qualities, and it's uh, and uh, it's not as damaging for your system. Yet at low doses, I think it works as a stimulant, but also I think the whole time as a bit of a painkiller. And then at higher doses, like you get kind of high from it. Right now, I'm getting this from what Joe said. Joe said he took like eight one milligram pills and and really felt a, a bit different. But kratom is interesting because I think it's still legal now. They're trying to download it. I want to learn more about it. If any of you guys know, hit me up. Let me know. But if you guys have tried it, especially, uh, it, uh, I'm curious. You know, I mean, what what painkillers are there out there that we can even use? Like turmeric is supposed to be good for inflammation but though it's not really a painkiller it seems like everything that kills any pain or relieves any pressure is like bad for our system in a horrendous way and it just i don't know that doesn't fucking flow with me guys i don't feel like there isn't anything out there that we can find that should that it should minimize physical pain and inflammation without causing massive side effects it just seems bananas there's not a more natural version so if this is it fuck yeah and i hope that they get to do more studies into it and we learn more about them and uh and we kind of go from there uh some of the really interesting parts that hamilton brought up was how he perceives the dangers of drugs and he's very defensive of that uh, of anyone saying that drugs are dangerous or that that's even a big deal um, because he's saying it's not a good way to quantify a drug or like to really define it or understand it. I mean, to say, oh, Kratom in certain dosages can kill people, then therefore we have to ban 
this drug completely. He's basically saying, well, everything can kill at least some type of person because there's so many varieties of us. It doesn't necessarily make it the drug's fault in that sense. I, I don't know if I was really with him on the point, but I do kind of get where he was going with it, right? Because it's a slippery slope if you just leave it open to someone trying to find out a way that this drug is bad. I mean, in an, enough of a day, the most important thing is just to understand the drug, understand a, a good, healthy dosage, and define the dangers of the drug that way. Uh, and then also the benefits of it. And uh, really, these things can only be done with extensive study, and I think that's a big part of what he was saying, uh, really. Another really interesting one they were talking about is... Um, Ibogam. Now, uh, this drug, I don't know a lot about it, other than what Hamilton was saying is a super complex 3D molecular form. So we can't synthesize it um, um, in a lab because it's just too complex. It can't be made. But Ibogam is one that uh, people use down in Mexico because it's illegal in this country. Uh, it's supposed to be a very intense, long-lasting psychedelic that really has you kind of like analyzing your life and, and really kind of seeing into yourself. Um, and it's supposed to be helping people with addictions, right? With these like unbreakable habits, it, it kind of gives you a reset. And it's helping people get away from some really dangerous addictions. And, and I mean, again, I don't think that, uh, okay, you want to ban a drug, right? Ban a drug country, do it. That's fine. But why you would not then allow scientists to do research on it, it is nuts to me, right? It's like, well, you could say, well, it's banned. Well, yeah, uranium is banned for like most people to get a hold of. That makes sense. We can't be giving that to everyone. It doesn't mean that like scientists aren't doing studies on new ways to make you know nuclear power. That would be bananas. So why not at least figure out what it does instead of just banning it and no one ever looking at it? It's like it's very strange that they do that. That it just seems like governments are so afraid to find any positives out of psychedelics. I don't know what they think it would happen. They just rather people dying of opioid addiction than even consider any clinical advantage to psychedelics you know and the scary thing about that is okay i'm not trying to like stick up for psychedelics i'm sure hamilton um is but whether i am or not what you have to think about is if they ban this right with these psychedelics what other things could they ban that could also have really good benefits i mean we should not we should just not stop scientists looking in almost any direction for positive um advances for humans i mean it just doesn't make any sense to me at all um the the next thing that they moved on to was um uh kind of the history and lineage of the of the of the these drug use. So like peyote, most people know about, you don't know a lot about it, right? Like I don't like some tribes, some native American tribe have been taking it for what I will assume will be thousands of years. And then there's also five MEO DMT, which is used by a tribe in Mexico. And again, same thing. We thought that that was used forever and blah, blah, blah. But what's interesting is Hamilton was saying, while well, looking at this, it doesn't look like anyone really used peyote longer than more than a hundred years ago. 
And as far as you can tell, using 5-MeO-DMT or DMT at all may have only happened the first time in like the 80s. So these aren't these mystical old drugs potentially that people used to think that they were. And that's really fascinating to me because if that's the case, then it makes them fairly new. It makes, it's only a couple of generations that we've had this and I wonder what the message is there. So really cool, really cool stuff. Great feedback always from Joe. I mean, he's so into it, but just to hear these two go into it, uh, man, I learned a lot from that. I was I was stoked after that one. So definitely check out Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, that show. Get it on Hulu or whatever. Really good. And um, and yeah. Then uh, Duncan Trussell was on. Duncan's amazing. Absolutely sweetheart of a guy on podcast 1136. Uh, starting off with how Apple keyboards suck. They are shit. Um, they are not PC keyboards. I, who knows, man? Is it the era now? Is it time where we're like, you know what? Apple isn't as fucking good as PC. At least their keyboards aren't. I mean, I see that. They just, they're too flat. They don't have the click. It, it is a complaint. People should be pissed off about it. I, it just seems like, come on, Apple, fucking get it together. Um, nuts, nuts. So after complaining about that, um, Duncan, as always, he's a big advocate for, again, the psychedelic era and what it can bring. And, uh, but, but also, you know, he reports on the truth and he reports on things that are a problem. And, and one thing that people are finding is that, yes, uh, psychedelics can be a problem for people that are prone to schizophrenia or depression, or it, it can kind of like speed up a break maybe a psychotic break or whatever. Uh, so there are some risks to it. And he brought up how some kid did like an eight-day ayahuasca trip. You know, they're like taking that stuff every night down in Mexico, wherever. And uh, then he went to see some other type of shaman person. And that after that, when he got home, he, he jumped off a waterfall, killed himself. So, I mean... You know, who's to say? Like, here's the point, right? So Hamilton would say the same thing. You can't blame the drug. The kid may have done those things anyway. Sure, it coincided with that. But, I mean, at what point was he needing to do this and, and blah, blah, blah? Well, the the an eight-day ayahuasca trip, though, holy shit. If this is a new drug, that is way too fucking long to be doing it. Like eight days, even the tribes do it for that long. I feel like your brain will come out of the other side completely scrambled. Like what the fuck would even be left? I mean, it's it's a question, right? I mean, that's a lot. To do it one day or two is even, you know, a lot. But that many days, you know, I haven't done that drug. I don't know about it. Um, but that's going to take you somewhere dark. That is. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, this is, this is why Duncan moves into meditation after that and, and mindfulness and just kind of getting to know yourself. And he struggled with it. He was talking about how terrible he is. I don't know if Joe meditates, probably, maybe in some way, it definitely does in his float tanks. Um, but yeah, he was just, Duncan was talking about how wild the mind is and how fast it moves. And I mean, I'm with him. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to sit still and sometimes you have to breathe so loud just to hear something that's loud enough to like block out your mind racing. It's just crazy how much noise is going on in there and being able to 
being able to kind of block that out, even for five or ten minutes a day, super important. It really is. If anyone struggles, you know, and, and struggles to the point of like kind of panic with things in life, and definitely put some time in for meditation. You know, it's not the cure to all things, but it but it, it gives you a little bit of peace. I mean, Duncan um, has had some real bouts with depression before. He moved in with Joe many years ago because something had happened to him and he, he was like struggling or he got kicked out of his apartment. And that whole time he was having, he was really struggling with things. He did a lot of float tank. He had a little journal. He wrote in it. And, uh, you know, look where he is now. He's in a much better place. And Joe helped him out and just a testament to how great that guy is and also how good friends they are. But taking that time, listening to your mind, trying to relax, you know, it's it's good to do. It, it really is. Bit of mindfulness, getting deep there, getting deep. They did a great back and forth with uh, being devil's advocate and doing drugs in the workplace and testing piss, which is really invasive. America likes to do it. And... Uh, um, Joe played the devil and Duncan was was the employee trying to say, hey, this is why you shouldn't do this. And they were going back and forth. And it was it was really pretty interesting. It was quite funny because Joe's point is he's pushing productivity and being on time and working hard and getting things done and paying a mortgage. And and Duncan's obviously pulling on. Well, you got to think about work. Uh, life balance and and taking away stress and enjoying your work and you know there definitely is a balance in there somewhere i mean obviously you can't be fucked up at work you wouldn't get anything done but you know what you do when you get home really should be it really should be up to you and uh within reason i mean you can't be heavily addicted to crack and then work work in finance or people's money because you're susceptible to getting you know blackmailed or god knows what else i mean you gotta be careful but but it was a great back and forth those two are hilarious and uh and joe played a solid you know he had some great retorts that are that were difficult even for duncan to hit back on um duncan if you know him is a big video gamer they, they jumped into playing video games for a while uh god of war was one that they talked about and i guess joe had never seen this um duncan uh, likes God of War. That game looks sick. Uh, I'd like to know if anyone has it, if they're playing it right now. I really want to fucking get that game. It looks badass. I don't have a lot of time for video games, but the way they were describing it and how good it looks, maybe I can make a bit of time. I don't know. I have to see. I have to see. Um, then they were ending it with with how to treat people, which is what Duncan and Joe always get into. You know, be nice to yourself. Be nice to other people. Right, it's easy to say, harder to do, but it can be done. And imagine what we can do if we all do a little bit of that. I try to, I do. I get pissed off, but I try to be nice, be patient. I'm learning. We're all learning. But one cool thing that Joe says that he does is he drops what he calls love bombs. So love bomb is what Joe will do when he's in. And Duncan was bringing this up, uh, but trying not to say that Joe does it. Joe does it, which became apparent. But Joe will like drop a hundred dollar tip on a coffee you know, at a restaurant. Now, obviously, he didn't say that he did it all the time, but, you know, he's got the money and he loves to do it and he likes to just kind of leave before he even gets credit for it. And people go out of their mind when that happens. You know, what a fantastic thing to do. I mean, you you know, it definitely cheers them up no end. Maybe for a day, maybe for a week, maybe forever. And I mean, they're always going to remember that Joe did that. 
And just the fact that you could do that to anyone, I'd love to be in a position to do that. I think that that's such a wonderful thing. Any millionaires out there listening to this, tip, tip your fuckers, tip, give back. Really cheer someone up, you know? I think it's probably the best thing to do if you're having a shitty day. You could cheer someone up real quick like that. I mean, and it's going to cheer you up. Come on, do it. Uh, last podcast of the week, Ted Nugent, 11.37. I knew this fucking guy was coming on. Joe had been talking about him way too much, kind of talking about him being a bit of a nut. If you don't know him, and I didn't really know a lot about him, all you hear is he's a gun nut, he might be a racist, and he's a fucking NRA lunatic. You know, when you're hearing him for three hours, listen, he's a rock star, and he's been a rock star for fucking 50 years. I mean, he's not going to be 100% normal. I mean, he's definitely going to be a little wacky out there, but I mean, he wasn't a complete lunatic. He, I don't agree with all of his policies, but I liked what he had to say. And he put it in a way that, you know, in, in a lot of it, though he was pretty dismissive of um, any other way of thinking that his own and calling the other people lunatics. If he had just changed that to like, people that don't agree with me or people that don't see it my way or the uneducated, you know, but banging on about ignorance and people not having a soul because they didn't think his way was right. That's a bit harsh. But anyway, the guy is rock star, huge hunter, an avid bow hunter, I believe. He's supposed to be very good. He's hunted with all the best people in the world, hunts year round, gives a fuck ton of meat to charity and he's a huge advocate for it for the rights of guns and for the right to hunt he knows a lot about uh wildlife reserve stuff he's uh he's really very switched on i mean you know the dude is like 70 and still performing a ton he didn't sound like an old man on the podcast i mean he was hyperactive as fuck he had some good energy and he's a big dude he's like two what is it, 220, 240, 6'2", big dude. And really, uh, I, you know, I got to say, I, I, I like his style. He's, he's quality. Again, I, it doesn't mean I agree with all of his politics and the things that he's saying. I mean, some of it is way out there. But, you know, at least he's not a complete moron and saying things I disagree with. It's nice to hear a different side of things. You know, and to know that it's not total ignorance on that end. Like, people are thinking, and we can always learn. And there's, wherever you take your position, like, you, you just take on a little bit more knowledge, and you're like, okay. I mean, I think he did it. He's a huge anti-drug guy, right? He kind of wraps them all together, like weed and dope and blah and high, and, you know, he just says everything like that. Well, Joe jumped on him with that, and he's like, listen, I smoke weed. I don't think it's bad. I think that... You know, it doesn't make people lazy and maybe it's their motivation already. Like maybe they're just lazy people, you know, they they don't have their priorities right. And these drugs get bad names, which again, this is the point that Hamilton would have brought up and said in that way, which is which is really cool that all this kind of came together in one week. Um, but it's true. You know, he's just saying that that it takes this bad rap, but it's not really hurting people. And if you are lazy while smoking weed, maybe be fucking lazy if you want. It's not the cause of it. It's like, it's just part of it. And uh, that's pretty cool. That's that's really pretty cool. And lastly, one of the best things I thought about Ted Nugent. So he loves guns. He's talking about, you know, if people had had guns or been allowed to have guns during a lot of the mass shootings of the last few years, 
somebody could have stopped them, right? So this is kind of his angle for uh, mass shootings. If more people had guns, you know, that's just his side of it. I don't know how I feel about that. But what was cool is he said, well, you know what? Cops are allowed to carry guns nationwide. So he's been a sheriff since like 1987. This fucking cracks me up. So he's been a sheriff since 1987. And then there's even some international laws that say that like office, like sheriffs in the US can carry guns in other countries. And he's saying he can carry a gun when he goes to the UK. I don't think he's a liar. After hearing him talk, yeah, he's manic. Yeah, he gets excited. Yeah, he's opinionated. But he didn't sound like a liar. So I have to believe that this is true. It just, you know, it's just my gut feeling. But I have never fucking, I'm English. I've never heard of any American being able to bring a gun to England and carry it. I just couldn't imagine a scenario like that. I mean, maybe Secret Service while guarding the president, but fuck. Who fucking knows? But what a weird guy. Uh, fascinating guy. And, uh, you know, it was good to have him on. And what a great way to end such a fucking great week. And I'm trying to keep this under half now because our attention spans are only so long and this is, believe me, not the most important podcast of your week. Please continue to listen to JRE, the Joe Rogan experience. It's so fucking good. Thanks for downloading my review. They're going to keep coming. I'm going to have some guests on pretty soon, maybe next week. And uh, get used to it. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Bye.